Hey, my name is Pastor Jason, and I'm the pastor here at Hope City Church, and I just want to say a happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room, and let's just go ahead and throw all the single moms in there in that category, uh, because you're pulling double duty, so just happy Father's Day. Hope you have an amazing day. Hope your family figures out a way to, to make you feel special, but I just want to say thank you for, for being in church today. Unfortunately, you know, Mother's Day is a day when, when a lot of families come to church together, but unfortunately, Father's Day is not typically that, but not for you. You're here, and so thank you so much for being here and uh, hoping you have a great day today. In 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez decided that he wanted to go on a mission to conquer the Aztecs. He wanted the gold that the Aztecs had been holding for over 600 years, and so he took 500 soldiers and 100 sailors and landed his 11 ships on the shores of the Yucatan. And even though he had a large army, he was still vastly outnumbered, and some of the men who were fighting for Cortez were not excited about the task at hand. They, they didn't like their chances. And so they decided that they were going to sneak away, steal a few ships, and sail back home. But Cortez found out what they were trying to do, and so he gathered the ringleaders together, and then he got all the men together, and he wanted to send a clear message to let them know that they were going to win, or at least they were not going to, to go back home. So he gathered everybody together, and he did send a clear message, but his men thought that he had lost his mind because when he got them together, he gave them a simple command. He said, I want you to burn the ships. Burn the ships. They thought he had lost his mind, and they, and they said to Cortez, they said, if we burn the ships, how will we get back home? And Cortez, like only a leader could, courageously said to them, if we get to go home, we're going home in their ships. We are in the third week of this four-part series called Last Arrow, and this is a series about defining moments and an urgency. And we want to live life like life depends on it because it does. It does. And what we've learned throughout this series is that you'll never accidentally end up with a full life, that you never accidentally end up in the places that you want to end up living life to the fullest, that life is designed to keep you safe and to keep you living at this monotonous, mediocre level. And that if you want to live life to the fullest, if you want to, to live like life depends on it, then you've got to be willing to go all in and, and hold nothing back. In the first week, we talked about not missing the moment, not missing those defi defining moments in life. And then last week, we talked about giving instead of keeping, and that we're not really living until we're really giving. And this week, we're going to talk about letting go of, of our past, letting go of our past. And I made a statement the first week of, of this series that has been kind of the foundation each week as we've come together, it's, it's kind of the foundation, the backdrop of the series. And the statement is that you'll never be completely free until you're completely committed. You'll never be completely free until you're completely committed. We could say you'll never be completely satisfied. We could say 
You'll never really com- completely live, feel alive until you're completely committed. And if you're here today and you're willing to do almost anything, well, the good news is you're almost there. If you're willing to do almost anything to be free, if you're willing to do almost anything to be alive or to be satisfied, then you're almost there. But you're not there yet because there's still something. There's something that you're holding on to. There's something you're not willing to do. There's something that is keeping you from being completely completely committed. And we've been reading these stories in, uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, these obscure stories about these two guys. Uh, one is named Elijah. He was first. And then the other is named, uh, named Elisha. And they were prophets. And what that meant is that they were chosen by God to perform miracles, and they did. They performed amazing miracles. But they were also chosen to communicate uh, you know, to the people on behalf of God. And so today's story that we're going to read is about the day that they met, the day that Elijah and Elisha met for the first time. And the story is important to you and to me because we're going to see how Elisha, the second one, Elisha did not miss his defining moment, that he was willing to let go of the past and move into the future that God had for him. And the the encounter, this encounter between Elijah and Elisha is going to remind us of something that we know is true, but we either forget or maybe we don't want to remember. And that's this, that if you want a different life, you have to give up the one that you have. If you want a different life, you have to give up the one that you have. And we wish that weren't true, don't we? We wish that we could have the future while holding on to the past, but we can't. And I know that for so many of you in in the room today, that that if you could have a genie in a bottle, if you could have three wishes or maybe just, just one wish, you don't have to think very long about what that one wish would be. And here's what I know about you is that if you did get that one wish, you probably wouldn't wish for more money or you probably wouldn't wish for some type of success or fame. Do you know what I know about your stories? Because you tell me that if you had one wish, most of you in the room would use your wish to forget something in the past or to remove something from your past so that you could live a new life or or a different life. You would wish for something different. Maybe you would wish to forget a, a terrible decision that you made in the past because you're, you're filled with regret. You have this regret about a decision that you made. Or maybe you would wish to, to, to go back and avoid a relationship that has negatively affected your life for a really long time. Maybe you would wish to go back so that you could go to college instead of dropping out because you know that that you missed a season and it it changed the trajectory of your life. Maybe you would go back and and you would choose not to commit the crime because it seemed like a small thing at the time, but it, it has affected your life forever. Maybe you would choose to go back so that you could focus on your marriage more. Or maybe you would choose to go back because you want to commit your life to Christ 
earlier. You, want, you, you would go back and start that relationship with Jesus earlier. Well, I don't have a genie in a bottle. I don't, but I do have some good news. It's not too late to change your life. It's not too late to change your life. God wants to give you full life, but the reason that most people never live to the full potential that God has for them is because they're unwilling to let go of something. They're unwilling to let go. I read recently some some funny stats about, about our unwillingness to change as people. Because isn't it, isn't it true that, that we struggle to change? I, I read recently that whatever music you love between the ages of 19 and 22 is the music that you love for the rest of your life. And recently, Spotify did some research and found that the age that people stop listening to new music is 33. And when I heard that, I kind of laughed and I thought, no way, that's not true, not me. I listen to new music all the time. And then I went and looked at my listening history and my playlists, and, and you know what I found out? That um, I really just listen to new music from old artists. And the artists that I'm listening to are the artists that I fell in love with between the ages of, you guessed it, 19 and 22. I read recently that women wear the same makeup and clothing style for the rest of their life from whatever decade they felt most beautiful. Isn't that interesting? So if you ever see someone walking around and now they are like fashionably out of style, just know that that style was the style that they felt most beautiful. And all of us to some degree have something that we hold on to because it was something from our past that we loved or we're nostalgic about it or, or, or it's a memory. And we're all hesitant to change, to try something new. We don't want to let go of something old. And it's one thing to not want to let go of the past when the past is good. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's one thing to say, hey, I don't want to let go of that because it brings back fond memories or it excites me. But it's a whole nother thing to not let go of the past when the past was terrible. Isn't it crazy how we even struggle to change and to let go of something even when that thing is not good for us or, or, or it's bad? We stay in relationships that are harmful or miserable or toxic for years, even though there are other options available to us. Let me just stop. Just Let me just do you a favor some of you in the room, you know that there are hundreds of thousands of other people out there who are single, right? I just wanted you to know that because you're staying in this relationship that is just not God's best for you. God's best for you. It's not. You stick with what you have instead of what you, you could have. Some of us, we keep habits that are harmful and unhealthy because somehow those habits have become our identity, so sometimes it's not even that, that we don't want to let go of the past because it was a great past. Sometimes we refuse to let go of the past even when it was terrible. We choose what's familiar over what is possible. Now we're going to read this story in 1 Kings 19, but before we do, I want to read a verse from a different Old Testament book 
And this is the book of Isaiah. You may not have read that before, but I just want to read this verse to kind of set the table for for, uh, where we're going today. It's in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Just a really really short little statement here. This is what God said. God says, but forget all that. Now, you would have to go back and read it, but but he's listing all the amazing things that God did in the past, how he split the seas and made you know, fish fall from the sky and miracles that he did. And he said, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, for I am about to do something new. But then look at this next word, see. Everybody say see. He says, see, I have already begun. Do you not Do you not see it? So God says to the people, I am going to do something new. Matter of fact, I've already started doing something new, but he puts two stipulations in the verse. And we can get excited about the idea of God doing something new, but God says it's gonna require two things. Number one, you've gotta forget the past. You gotta let go of the past you got to stop focusing on your past. But then the second thing you got to do is you got to see. you got to see it. And I'll never be able to, to see what God has out in front of me as long as I am turned around looking at the past, what is behind me. And so God says, let go of it. Forget it. Forget it. I love that I serve a God who does new things. I love that. I love that God is not focused on what he did 10 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago in my life. I love that God's not even focused about what he did last Sunday, that he wants to do something new, but the requirement is on me to let go of the past, forget the former things, God said, and see what God is doing. So, we're going to read this story, 1 Kings 19. And just to give you a little backstory, Elijah ha- has been a prophet for a while now. And his time is, uh, is coming to an end. He's seen some incredible things. He's done some incredible things. But his time is coming to an end. And God has told him, Elijah, to go and to find Elisha because Elisha is going to be next. Elisha is going to be the next prophet. But Elisha doesn't know that that's about to happen. Elisha isn't familiar or isn't in on the conversation between Elijah and God. Only Elijah and and God know what's about to happen. And so Elisha is just at his house with his family, doing his thing, minding his own business. When we pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, we're going to start with verse 19 and read verses 19, 20, and 21. And this is what it says. Follow along with us. Here we go. It says, so Elijah, that's the first guy, Elijah went and found Elisha, that's the second guy, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders, Elisha's shoulders, and then Elijah walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go, I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Let's finish this up. So Elisha returned to his oxen 
and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, TMI, but I don't know why they want you to know that, but it's in there. And then he passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. This was a defining moment for Elisha, but he almost missed it. He almost missed it. Initially, Elisha runs after Elijah, and I think that this represents so many of us in the room today. It's so many of you, it's what I love about Hope City Church, so many of you have started this new relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've recommitted your life to Jesus, and initially there is such passion, there's such zeal. You'll do anything, you'll go anywhere, nothing's off limits, you are all in for God, you run after him passionately, how Elisha did. But there comes a point when you're following Jesus and you get far enough from your past that you know if you go any further, you can't go back. Have you ever been to the beach and you get caught up in the current and there's that scary moment when you don't know if you're going to be able to come back in or maybe you get so far away from from your starting point that you feel lost and there's that moment of panic? I think all of us experience that spiritually. That we follow Jesus, but there comes a point where we know if we go any further following Jesus, that we'll never be able to get back to where, to where we started. And so that's when we have to make a decision. And for some of you today, you're going to have to make that decision. Do I want what God has for me, or would I rather keep what I already have? Do you want what God has for you Next, or do you want to keep what you already have? Now, it's worth pointing out that Elisha was, was, wasn't going back because of something bad. He wasn't going back because he was being selfish or because he was being immature. He, he almost missed his moment for a really good reason. He just wanted to go back to the family that he loved and to tell them goodbye. And there are a million good reasons that you can come up with not to do something new or to do something different that God wants you to do. You will always be able to rationalize why you should wait or why what you have is better than what you you could have. I would be willing to bet that in your life and I know in my life that most of the things that are keeping us from being everything that God wants us to be, most of the things that are holding us back from from pursuing where he wants us to go, they're not evil things. Yeah, there, there are some sinful, bad things that we struggle with, but Those are not our biggest hurdles. We would give those up if we truly felt like we could be free. For most of us in the room, what's holding us back is perfectly good things. A job that's a a good job. A family that we love so much. Children that we prayed for that that God gave us. Friends that we've been friends with for a really long time. And so what happens is we get to these moments in our faith, we get to these moments following Jesus where we know he's asking us to take a step of faith. We know that he's asking us to to go into something new, to do something new, to experience something new, but we cannot let go of our past. And wouldn't it be amazing if God would do a new thing before he asked us to let go of our old thing? Wouldn't that be amazing? 
Wouldn't it be amazing if God's like, listen, I'm gonna go ahead and give you everything I have for you now so that it'll make it easier for you to let go of what you already have. But that's not what he does. We talked about that last week. That he doesn't allow us to keep what we have and experience the blessing of what giving what we wanna keep uh, would give us. Like, like, we don't get to do that. It would be amazing if, if he did, but, but he doesn't. What God does is he prompts our heart. He just shows up in a church service. While we're reading our Bible, while we're praying, while we're having a conversation, he just prompts our heart. He doesn't yell at us. He, he doesn't beat us over the head. He just prompts our heart. He just prompts it. And he asks us to take a step of faith. We know there's, there's a next step. We know there's something else out there. We know there's something risky, something that, that, that makes us feel alive but also terrifies us. Or maybe he doesn't ask us to take a step of faith. Maybe he just picks us up and throws us in the deep end when we're not sure if we can swim. Has that ever happened to you? That sometimes he asks us to take a step of faith. Sometimes he wants to show us that we can swim when we're not sure because he throws us in the deep end, and all he asks us to do is to trust him. That's it. Just trust him. Living, living like life depends on it means letting go of our past. And Elisha shows us a powerful example of that. And we can follow his example. We need to follow his example. We need to set our past on fire. Set our past on fire. Now, for most of us in the room, that's symbolic, <laughs> okay? I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to start any fires. You don't need to go, go buy matches this afternoon. But this story doesn't have to be symbolic. It, it, it could be literal. And some of us in the room may need to go home and actually light up a bonfire and burn some things. I had some friends recently who lost a job, and, and honestly, they, they were treated unfairly. Uh, they lost a job unfairly, and, and, and just some things happened that, that weren't right. And so they decided and made a decision that they were not going to be stuck there. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to pout and throw a pity party, and they wanted to just move on from that season and, and, and embrace what was next in their life. And so they went out in the backyard, and they started a fire, and they just threw all the clothes that had the company's name on it in the fire. They just, they just went ahead and burned them, literally. They burned them. I love that. Who knew it was biblical, right? But I, I had a, a similar moment in my life, not, not burning clothes, but... But a similar moment in my life where I had to literally light my past on fire. Most of you have only been attending the church for uh, a few years, and so you don't know the whole story. But there was a season several years ago when a lot of people left the church for a lot of different reasons. It was not one reason. And as you might expect, it was an incredibly painful season for me and for my family, because in the process, some things were said about me, mostly untrue things, some true things, but mostly untrue things, and no one was intentionally trying to be malicious or intentionally trying to be evil, but, but over about an 18-month span, uh, over 100 people left the church. Some of you were here during that time, and we never really talked about it. I don't think I could have talked about it, but you were, you were paying attention and you noticed that the crowds were getting substantially smaller and leaders were leaving. And, and it just sent me personally into a tailspin 
Um, I went into some dark places. I began to, to deal with depression for the first time in my life. I never knew what that, that felt like, and there were just a lot of days I just didn't want to get out of bed. I hate to admit it, but there were some days when my wife would come home from teaching, and I would still be in whatever I slept in, not bathing, sitting on the couch with a bag of chips in my lap, like just didn't want to face life. I got gun shy, I lost my courage, I lost my confidence, I lost the vision that God had, had given me for the church. I was blessed during that time to have some amazing friends who supported us. More importantly, they prayed for us, but, but I will be, I just have to be honest, I, I went into a really dark, dark place. And God being God, he, he, he was up to something. He, he was up to something. And even though I would never choose it and I don't want to go back to that place, I definitely would not, I would not change it. Those were painful months and moments and I got cynical and I just could not snap out of it. And what began to happen is I would, I would just keep retelling my sob story over and over again. And listen, everybody's got a sob story. Everybody's got a sob story. Sometimes we get our sob stories out and we compare them to see who's, who's got it worse. You ever been part of that group? But everybody's got a sob story. Everybody has a story about somebody who did you wrong, how life treated you unfairly, how, how, how you didn't get the chance that somebody else got. Everybody has a sob story. And what happens to you is the same thing that happens to me. You begin to tell that story over and over again. You actually perfect the story. You know how to tell the story really well and, and people are sitting on the edge of their seats or people have compassion for you. You know how to tell the story. But here's the problem with telling your sob story over and over and over again is that the more you tell the story, the more that you become convinced that what you thought was true about life really is true. It, it confirms that life is unfair. It confirms that people really are bad. It confirms that that you'll never get a fair break. And so one day I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, we, we, we were having a conversation and, and, and like what always happened, even though I didn't mean for it to happen, I began to tell my sob story. And, and I never meant to go into it, but I was bitter, I was hurting and it always just kind of came out. And so my friend interrupted me this day and, and, and he said to me, he said, listen, I want you to know something. I love you. I'm your friend. And we can talk about this as long as you want to talk about it. But I just need to let you know, you talk about this every time we talk. Every time we talk, you bring this up. And when he said that, there was something in me that, like, I didn't know it. I didn't realize it about myself. But there was something in that moment where I thought, he's right. He's right. And something happened in me, and I made a decision that I was not going to be the guy who told the same sob story for the next 30 years. I was not going to be the guy who talked about how, yeah, you know, those people left my church, or, you know, yeah, if this wouldn't have happened, then I would really be somebody, or blah, 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 blah. I wasn't going, I wasn't going to do that. I wanted God to do something new in my life. I wanted God to do something new in our church. And here's what I believe. I believe that God was doing something new, but I couldn't see it because I couldn't let go of the past. 
And whenever that happened, with that conversation happened with my friend, Andrea and the kids were out of town for whatever reason. Maybe it was just God's sovereignty, but they were out of town. And so I was by myself. And that night I sat down at my kitchen table and I got a pen and a piece of paper and I wrote out a four-page letter to a few people that I was mad at, bitter at, hurt, felt like maybe it had done me wrong, and I wrote it out. I wrote out everything I was feeling. I wrote out everything I wanted to say to them. If I ever ever got a chance to talk to them about it, I wrote it all out, and then I read it. And after I got done reading the letter, I prayed to God, and I said to God, God, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And then I walked out into my backyard and I took a lighter stick and I took that four-page letter and I set my past on fire. And it might as well have been the burning bush that Moses stood in front of because for me, it was equally as spiritual. I stood there and I watched that past hurt and the being jaded and the cynicism and the sob story. I watched it go up in smoke. And it was a turning point for me because God began to do something new in my life and in my heart. Now, maybe you don't need to set anything on fire. Or maybe you do. But however you do it, I believe that God is wanting to do something new in your life if you're willing to let go of the life that you have. So so for the last few moments that we've got today, um, I just want to get really personal with you. I I think this is a a spiritual moment for us right now in this room that God really wants to have a defining moment in, in your life. And so let's just zoom in and let's just get really personal about the life that we have. Some of us in the room today, we we need to end a relationship. We need to break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We're not married to them, but maybe they're the parent of of our children. Maybe we've been with them since high school or maybe it's a new relationship, but we need to end it. Not because the pastor's up here telling you to, but because you know God is telling you to, and he's been telling you for a really long time. You know it. And hear me, it's not because they're a terrible person. And if you're in church today and somebody breaks up with you this afternoon, it's, I'm sorry, don't blame me, but it's not because you're a terrible person. It's not because they're awful or they treat you bad. But you know that as long as you're with them, you're going to be chained to your past. And for you, it's, it's holding you back. And you and I both know that God has something better for you. Hey, there, there, there is somebody better for you. It's not because the other person's bad. It's because somebody's better. Because it's what God wants to do in your life. Some of you, you need to move out. You need to move out. Maybe it's a romantic relationship, or maybe it's just a friendship. Maybe it's just a, a roommate. But every day that you come home and you walk through that door, you are digging a deeper hole for your life. Not because I'm telling you you are. You know you are. You know you are. You've been thinking about it. 
You've been feeling it. You've been having conversations with other people about it, but you're chained to your past and you just can't seem to let it go and you want to run after God and you want to go where God is leading you, but you can't let go of that address or that place or those people. Some of us in the room, we need to confess some secret struggles to somebody who loves you. There is something that has been a part of your life for as long as you can remember. And you have convinced yourself that that you'll figure out a way to manage it by yourself. You'll manage the past. You'll manage the addictions. You'll figure out a way to do it without having to embarrass yourself, but it's not working and it's only getting worse. And the only way you're gonna find freedom, hear me, please hear me, the only way you're gonna find freedom is to burn your reputation to the ground. What's holding you back from doing what you know you need to do is embarrassment. Burn your reputation to the ground because God wants to build a new one for you. Maybe it's a past hurt. Some of you listening to me right now are so chained to the past and something that happened to you in your past that every time you try to go where God's taking you, You can't take three steps because the devil begins to remind you or to stir up whatever that hurt is. Set it on fire. Don't set them on fire. Just a legal clarification there. Don't set them on fire. Figure out a way to let it go. Get past the past. Some of us have that sob story that I was talking about. It has become our identity, and you don't even realize that it just oozes out of you. In a room full of optimistic people, you cannot be optimistic. In a room full of hopeful people, you cannot be hopeful because the the hurt is so deep. Go get professional help. Talk to some friends about it. Figure out a way to let go of the past. For some of you in the room today, it's not a, a secret addiction. It's not a past hurt. It's not a relationship. You know what it is for some of you in the room? It is, it is cynicism from your past. For some of you in the room, you cannot embrace what God wants to do next because you've got 1,700 stories about some spiritual experience in your past where you saw behind the curtain or a pastor let you down or your parents were Christians, but they got divorced or somebody that you thought was spiritual was a hypocrite or whatever it is. And so every time you get ready to believe that God wants to do something amazing in your life, that cynicism that you think is cute that you think is your thing, you think that everybody just loves how cynical you are, what you don't realize is it is a chain to your past. It's keeping you from what God wants to do. And you're so afraid to get your hopes up. You're so afraid to believe that God maybe could do what you secretly hoped he would, but you'd never say it out loud because of something or some things or experiences or churches or pastors or leaders or whatever it is in your past that has made you so cynical. And sometimes you think it's funny and sometimes you think it's cute, but it is a ball and chain. And we could keep going and we could keep going and giving more examples, but I don't have to. I don't have to. Because the truth is, if I never gave one example right now in this moment, you know what it is. You know what is holding you back from your future. You know what is keeping you tied to your past. And you know. 
at least a small glimpse of the new life that God has for you. It is so obvious in your head and in your heart right now, right now. God is doing something new. And this is a defining moment for you. Maybe this is your first time in church today. You know, maybe you're a guest with us. Maybe you've been here a hundred Sundays in a row. This is a defining moment. Don't miss it. Don't put it off. Burn the past. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us so much that you refuse to let us stay with something good because you have something better. God, thank you that your plans for us are greater than what our life looks like right now. And so, God, I just pray for every person in the room listening to my voice right now whose heart heart is beating faster, whose mind is racing and spinning because, God, they know right now this is their defining moment when you have something in store for them, ahead of them, but they will never get there unless they set the past on fire. And so, God, I pray that we would burn it down so that there would be nothing to go back to, no plan B, no backup, that we could only move forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.